be Matthew chapter 5 this morning. I know it's the New Year's message, but the New Year's message is Matthew chapter 5. This is how you're starting your year. So uh, because we've been in Matthew, we're sticking to Matthew because next week I won't speak in Matthew. So we're going to do it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You've heard it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be in the danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. Whatever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and then remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Hey, I've heard that somewhere before. Agree with your adversary quickly and while you're on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, the judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there so you have paid the last penny. Title of today's message is Danger of Hellfire. Um, why? Because it's in the scripture and it's fun to title a message things like Danger of Hellfire. Um, you know, we all know people that we think should go to hell, don't we? Right? It's a good start, man. The problem is, is that we don't think we should go to hell. That's the problem. Have you ever been angry with somebody? Okay, this is going to be a really long morning. There's like five of you. Has anybody ever been angry with somebody? Okay, good. This message is for you. I have many times in my heart and my action, just there for a moment, Lord, forgive me. I was angry at you for not responding. We've all been angry at times. I've been angry at my wife, been angry at my kids, been angry at church people. Angry at my neighbors, angry at politicians, angry at famous people, angry at random people on the road, (laughs) angry with people in a store. I really hope I'm not alone this morning. Just me. me. I mean, all of us have been angry at every single one of those at some point, right? Even the young people that are here this morning, this is message for you. I'm sure you've already learned how to be angry. It ain't right, but it's true. I'm far from perfect in this area. I, let's just start out. I'm, I'm far from perfect in this area. This is why I love preaching through a book of the Bible is that no pastor who, ha, who, who has anger he needs to deal with his heart doesn't say, like, let's preach on anger on Sunday. No, but the Lord sees fit to be like, well, this is what you're going to preach about. Whether you are excelling at this or not, you're going to preach on it. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus sets a very high bar for all of us this morning in regards to our angry hearts and a- actions. Title of the message is Danger of Hellfire. Uh, Well, let's start off by saying this, is that in in verse 21, Jesus says, you have heard it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Jesus says that anger is akin to murder. It's a pretty high bar. What Jesus is doing here in great Jesus fashion is setting this unbelievably high standard for righteousness. It's not just that if you don't murder somebody, it's that you don't even get angry with somebody that you've got to look for the anger in your heart. Now, many people that, that don't attend church or even some that do say, well, you know, I've never murdered anybody and I, I, I've never cheated on my spouse, so I'm good. And Jesus says, no, you're not good because you've still got anger in your heart. And this is what Jesus does. He does it all throughout the New Testament. He takes the Old Testament standard that seems seemingly high and then sets an even higher standard. 
He says, well, you've heard it was said, do not commit adultery. I say, don't have lust in your heart. You've heard it said, do not murder. I say, do not have anger in your heart. The bar of Jesus is always being set to a higher standard where God says, you know, it's not just what you do on the outside. It's who you are on the inside that I'm looking at. It's not enough that you perform the right actions. You've got to deal with the heart condition as well. And the standard is very high. Don't be angry with anyone. Now, I will say this, it is possible to be angry and not sin. And there is such a thing as biblical anger. Uh, I mean, it even says, right? It says, uh, but whoever's angry with his brother without a cause. I always have a cause. Make no mistake about it. (laughs) Oh, I got a cause. But there's biblical anger and there's unbiblical anger. Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. The truth is that Jesus got angry loving Jesus, Mark 3, 5, and when he had looked at, around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. What, what's hard with uh, uh, the English language, we've talked about this before, is the English language typically only has one word for something. So we say angry and it's, I stub my toe and I want to kill those persons and everything in between. Most languages outside of English have many words for anger. And so what, what, what Jesus is really talking about here is is that the, the, the anger is more of a relational, emotional anger that affects your personal relationships. There is righteous indignation. There is emotional frustration. There's different types of anger, right? I mean, there, there's the type of anger of like, say you were planning to write your sermon on a day, but a, an outlet went out in your garage. And so you spent five hours on a day, like going through and swapping out two circuits on your um, circuit board and then six different outlets and going back and forth to the hardware store twice and not eating. And I mean, there's that, there's that kind of anger, right? The sermon almost was how to be electrified with Jesus. It really was. always the last one. It's never the first. Oh, I found it right here. It's always the last one. There's that type of anger. Um, there's also the, uh, I'm angry in traffic kind of anger. The uh, stupid people come out during Christmas. I don't know why they hide in their houses, but then all of a sudden at Christmas, they come out in droves. They come out when it rains, come out when it, they're everywhere. It's that kind of anger. The poor leadership kind of anger, the politics kind of anger. But that's not the anger we're talking about. We're talking about the anger that you have towards other people. The anger that you have relationally with your fellow humans. That, that anger that you have that's deep down inside of your heart that, that keeps you up at night and, and makes you have like body problems because you're just an angry person. First John 4.20 says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother. Now, many times in the New Testament, these scriptures are are, are directed completely in the face of, of Christians and how we deal with other Christians. We, we, charity begins at home, as they say. We've got, we've got to learn to love one another to an unbelieving, uh, dying world that looks at us and we don't even love each other. And we say the love of God and we love you. And like, you don't even love each other, man. And it starts in the heart. Jesus says, not only the actions of your life, but the intents of your heart are damnable offenses that will keep you from eternity and send you into hell based on your heart. 
That's why people say, well, you know, I just feel this way, but I didn't act on it. So it's okay in God's eyes. That's not true. Sins of envy and, and, and greed and lust and anger can keep you from eternal life. It's very important that we get a hold of this. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Come on, that was funny. Chickity, check yourself before you wreck yourself. You know, first service laughed a lot better. See, it's funny, is that, and let me tell you something, like, if, if I'm telling you that you're an angry person that's going to go to hell if you stay that way, you get this pit in your stomach. And you're like, who does this guy think he is? I'm helping you. And then I say something funny so that you'll laugh and not hate me. So you have to take those opportunities to do it. First John 2, 9 says, he who is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. And, and here's the, the scariest thing about anger and hatred is that you can hide it. You can put on a face and be like, hey man, how's it going? And inside you're like, gosh, I want to kill that person. And then people don't even know it. Like they'll come be like, hey brother, how's it going? Hush, you're dead. And people do it all the time. Now, some people aren't that smart. They're just loose-lipped with their anger. They tell everybody who they hate. They tell me, I'm just angry and fee-fi-fo-fum. Like, Jesus says, no. No. The truth is, you can find a ton of people you can find to be angry and frustrated with. People that have wronged you, people that have hurt you, things in your life that haven't gone the way in which you have planned. We can all find those people. I shared with you guys before, one of the, one of the relationships that I have the most trouble with in my adult life is my relationship with my father. My parents got divorced when I was three. My dad's been married uh, multiple times. He's been absent from my life. I feel unloved and supported by my father. I just do. And, and, and I, here's what I could do is I could use that as an excuse. I can use an excuse to not be a good father and not be a, a, a good husband and, and not be a good leader. I can live with a sense of anger every single day. I mean, that, that's a relationship that is important. Side note, parents, this is what happens when you mess up over your kids. They get into their forties and they still got issues, but I don't let it control my life. Like that life is too long or too short to, to live that way. You know, later this month, I, I'm planning on going down to drive down to California and see my dad. I'm going to spend time with him. I'm going to leave empty. I'm going to not feel refreshed. Out of obligation to the Lord God Almighty that says, honor your father and your mother. Like, that's just what I'm going to do. I'm not going to be angry about it. I'm just going to be like, dude, that's just, it just is what it is. I use that in a moment of vulnerability to share with you. I know that you've been hurt. I know there's people in your life that have done you wrong, but you don't have to let it rule your life. Now, I get it, man. Like a relationship like that, it's a little bit easier to deal with because you can take the time to like think it through and unpack it and talk about it. And then you go into that relationship knowing what you're expecting. So you're kind of like prepared, right? We have those types of things. What's different is when the, the, the flippant social media comment, someone says something, do you guys not get enraged by these things? People I've never even seen before on some comment that I didn't mean to be on. And I look them up on Facebook. I'm like, oh, it's on. Crystal's like, honey, dinner. I'm not done. Then you're like, delete. Laying in bed that night. You know what I should have said? Honey, honey. Do what I should have said to that guy? Well, I'm going to say that next time. 
You can't plan on that. Can't plan on when you're merging here on 167 off of 18 and no one lets you on and you have to accelerate as fast as you can. The other guy accelerates like, good luck, buddy. Like, oh, it's on. <laughs> Why are you late home? I had to go to the next exit. Just look at me and be like, yeah. This is all theory. This is all theory. Disobedient children. See, the, the, the accusing people in your life that you might see out in public, you don't get to prepare for that. You just lash out with this like, yeah, like that's just how it comes, right? But Jesus says all emotional anger, internal or external, is murderous. And he says, you have to stop it. Proverbs 4.19 says, the way of the wicked is like darkness, They do not know what makes them stumble. And you know what makes us stumble a lot of times is anger. Anger makes us stumble. And you know what the remedy is? Love. Love is the remedy. Let me, let me show you this in in 1 Corinthians 13. And it's not just, people always say, I I want this read at my wedding. It's not a wedding verse, man. It's an anger verse. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. The way to combat anger is to love people, man. You just got to love them. And, and what's, what's interesting is that people will say like, well, love is a verb and that's true, but you can be actionable in your love and still hate people in your heart. And yet externally, you make everybody else think like, oh, he's so loving. He does all the things and inside you'd be choking on your anger because you're so upset with people. And so the way that you combat that is that you learn to love people. You spend time in prayer asking how you can love people more. Not, not just in action, in your heart, to truly have a heart-abiding love where you see someone and you think like, man, I love them. And they've got these admirable qualities about them that, that I just think are so great. You love them from the heart. And, and actions are easy. It's easy to act loving. To have a heart change is hard, hard work. It's hard to do those things. It is. You have to work at it. And so how do you do it? You start with thinking why people don't, shouldn't love you. Did you catch that? That, that? What it means is, is that if you really looked into who you are and people really knew who you were and they knew your heart and they knew your actions, nobody would be friends with you. Yeah. Nobody at all. And so you start with that. You start thinking like, oh my gosh, why would somebody not love me? Well, because I'm an angry person. I, I don't do what I'm supposed to do. I've got these thoughts in my mind and my heart. If they really thought that, man, no one would be friends with me. You start there and then you look at somebody else and you see their brokenness. And you're like, you know what, man? I'm going to love them in spite of their brokenness. I've seen their brokenness. I'm just a really good liar and I hide mine, but I'm going to true, I'm going to choose to love that other person. You know, maybe you're sitting here this morning like, dude, I'm perfect, man. I just, I look inside myself and I think there's nothing that needs to change about me. Find somebody and go to them and just say, you know what, man? I, I'm perfect, but I need to find somewhere in my life that's broken would you share that with me so that I can learn to love broken people as well? I guarantee you don't have to look very far. You can probably find someone to be willing to share that with you. 
You know, how, were, were you ever picked on in high school? Anybody? Like ha- the other half were the bullies. Um, so <laughs> I won't say his name, uh, but there's this guy that, dude, he was just, he picked on me. I don't know why, but I was his guy for like two years, my whole freshman and sophomore year, uh, all through football. And even when football was over, he literally, and I kid not, this is a guy that literally stole my lunch. And, and I, man, and I was kind of like pudgy in my freshman and sophomore year and he wasn't. And I had like, I can't imagine, I can't even tell you the amount of times that I like thought about, man, one day it's going to, it's going to be on, you know what I'm saying? I literally, no one else? Dude, I remember people say, hey, remember so-and-so from high school? I'm like, man, let me see him. Who's six foot five now? You know what I mean? And then, you know, about 2008, Facebook come out, and this dude friended me on Facebook. I was like, oh, we friends now, huh? Oh, we friends. Working at Boeing, I'm going to find you. I didn't do anything. I just, I wanted to. Because it was in my heart to be having retribution. And I would, man, I thought, I'm going to write him this thing. I'm going to be like that dude on Dr. Phil that brings the bully and be like, and when I was a freshman, (laughs) I was just like, dude, I saw him on Facebook. I'm like, he got more than enough problems. He does not need to hear about what happened. It's totally fine, man. Just let it go, man. It's clear he was broken. Just quickly forgive people. Quickly repent. Look for something to love, man. Look past people's brokenness. Just love people. You know, the scripture is so challenging. Jesus starts with the heart and then he goes even farther here and he says, "Um, let's deal with your mouth in addition to that as well. Thank you, Mr. Jesus. He says, and when, and whoever says to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council, but whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. There's the title of the message, danger of hellfire. Now, in addition to watching our heart and our thoughts, Jesus also says, watch your mouth. See, anger isn't just anger of the heart. It's the anger of your mouth. And some of us think we can say and do what we want and that it doesn't matter, but it truly does. The words that you speak, the words that come out of your mouth matter to Jesus. And so in addition to working on the issues of your heart, Jesus goes so far and says, now we're going to work on your mouth because it's a dirty, dirty mouth. James 3, 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. See, if you think a lot about them, uh, the problems that you have, they start in your heart and then the mouth gets involved and then it really gets out of hand. Have you guys seen this in your own life? You have an anger thought or whatever, and then you have uh, something that you want to say, and you know very well that you're supposed to keep your mouth shut, but you just don't. Now, as I was working on this sermon, I realized that this was a sermon that was for me because my mouth gets me in trouble all the time. I really wish it would have been a sermon on electrical. It would have been a whole lot better, but it just wasn't. It was a sermon on me. And, and here's my problem. This is just me. I can't just, I can't, I just feel like I'm helping the world by saying something. Well, you know. 
there'll be an issue that happens in our house with the kids or with my wife, and everybody in the house knows what happens. Everybody knows whose fault it was. Everybody knows the details. But I'm the guy that just like, well, you know, if you wouldn't have. And then my wife does this, like, it's always the same look. Her head kind of cocks, and she goes. <laughs> I'm like, what, what? I'm just, I'm just saying the truth. That's all I'm saying. And then everything, and the whole house falls apart. And then she says, you know, it wouldn't have happened if you just didn't say anything. But I just can't help myself. Does anybody else those can't keep your mouth shut people? Feel like you're helping out the world? Not helping out the world. I didn't need to say it. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 11, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man. But what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Matthew 12, 34, out of the overflow of the mouth, heart, the mouth speaks. Ugh. Jesus makes it clear. Words that you say against or to people will not be dealt with well. Not at all. In danger of hellfire. Can it, can it be any more serious than that? I mean, we, we, we live in this world and we think like, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and I'm, I'm taking care of this, and I'm not doing that. And Jesus is like, no, dude, your mouth is going to send you to hell. Everyone going to come to church like this, like, what's up, dude? I'm not saying anything. Jesus sets this unbelievably high expectation for people who are going to be his followers. Shut your mouth. And watch what you say. Matthew 12, 36. But I say to you that for every idle word men speak, they will give account of it on the day of judgment. Whew. I'm going to be in that line a long time. <laughs> He's like, oh, here comes Cretunus. I've got a whole nother volume for you. Us expressive types, man. Now, now we laugh about it. It's funny, but... Like, it's scary. It really is. Wouldn't it be easier for him to be like, all right, good. I'm glad you're here. There's not a lot we have to cover. We should watch our mouths. So what does it mean to you? Clean up your angry mouth. Quit flippantly saying things to and about people. Just shut up, man. That's kind of rude to say. What's ruder to let you think that your mouth going like this is going to take you to eternity? It's the snide comments. It's the directed statements. It's the hidden words. It's the verbal slights. No one likes it, man. No one likes it at all. When you say those things, no one's like, man, I'm really glad I went to church today. And that person said something about what I was wearing. You know what I mean? A lot of people do that stuff. And you know exactly what we're talking about. Or at least you should. Titus 3, 2, and to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. See, I, I know this guy who's a very, very rigid person and he's rigid. And I have this other friend that's rigid. And so this rigid guy got into it with this other rigid guy. And so when you get rigidness and I'm using a nice word, uh, these rigid guys are like, burr, 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 burr. and then they're fighting over something seemingly insignificant. So the two rigid guys are fighting. And then there's this other friend that I have here. And this other friend was talking to this guy. And this guy says, uh, this guy says, Hey, do you like this guy? He goes, no, no, no I hate that guy. And he goes, what? You hate that guy? Why? He's so rigid. Bro, you rigid. <laughs> so this guy and this guy, and this guy, talk to this guy like, oh, he's so rigid. I hate that guy. This guy says to me, hey, you know, so-and-so doesn't like this guy and this guy. And rigid and they're fighting. I'm like, 
matter? Do I not like this guy or this guy? What's the problem with that guy or this guy? Why do I tell you that with you? That's what happens when you open up your mouth, man. Now, all of a sudden, I'm over here questioning both about one of these guys. I'm not even privy to what the issue is. And this third guy that got involved with this guy comes to me and says, man, you know this thing about this thing? And I'm like, man, now my whole brain is poisoned, not only on the two guys that are fighting, but you for telling me. Just shut your mouth, man. I need to share nothing with nobody. Because someone else has a disagreement that I wasn't privy to. They poisoned my brain with an issue I had no issue with. See, Proverbs 11.9 says, The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered because of their tongue. Psalm 37.8 says, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. I get it, man. You weren't invited to the party. It's because when you get invited, you bring a half-eaten bag of chips. That's why. Wake up. When someone says, hey, and then you say, can I bring some? Like, oh yeah, bring some. Bring it to share. And you bring that half-eaten bag of Lay's. Lay's. Who eats those? So at least bring the ruffles with the seasoning on them. You know what I'm saying? If you're going to get invited to somebody, bring some shrimp. You know what I'm saying? Bring the shrimp platter. Bring some brie with some crackers. The house has napkins. Bring some meat. You know what I'm saying? I get it. They forgot your birthday. Well, you're going to forget it eventually too. You don't understand what they said on social media. Did you see their picture? Get over it, man. You lost some money. Make, make some more. You were wronged. Well, clearly you're the only person that still has an issue with it because they moved on and they didn't come back and apologize for it. You're just seething with anger. Just forget about it, man. Just be like, you know what? It's fine. You know, I love what Spurgeon says. Spurgeon said, you know what? Don't get upset when somebody is mad at you because you are far, you are a far worse person than they actually know that you are. Most of us deserve every last bit of scorn that somebody gives us. It's just our just reward. Don't get, now, now when, when you have anger in your heart, just slow down and stop it at the heart level before it goes to mouth level. Don't get caught in the double trap. And the, and the double trap is, I don't, I don't just have anger in my heart. I've got it in my mouth. So now you've duly messed yourself over. So deal with the heart issue. Watch the mouth stuff. Bring it back as fast as you can. Let, let, let me show you a, um, a scripture. It's in Matthew chapter 18. This is one of my favorite parables. And this is going to illustrate the point. Matthew chapter 18, a parable of the unforgiving servant. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and how, and I forgive him up to seven times? Jesus says, I not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70, 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he had begun to settle his accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But he was not able to pay, and his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him his debt. So you got the master, you got the servant. The servant says, Oh, I can't pay this stuff. And the master goes, You know what? I'm going to forgive you. But then that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred bucks after he owed the master 10,000 bucks. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat and said, pay me what you owe. 
So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him and saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but he went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had been done, they were very grieved and they came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly father will also do to each of you from his heart if you do not forgive his brother his trespasses. We've been forgiven. Just forgive people, man. Like we've been forgiven some of the most heinous things possible. And then you're going to get all up in an uproar about some little slight that you probably deserved in the first place anyway. So then comes, so it's the heart thing and then it's the mouth thing. And then here's the best part about it. Reconcile reconcile. Now we come to the hardest part of this scripture. We talk about this verse every single Sunday. Um, and, and I'll reread it to you so that, you know, uh, Dan mentioned it this morning. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and you'll be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there until you have paid the last penny. Now there's two things from that scripture. One is remember that your brother, uh, remember if your brother has something against you while you're bringing your tithes and offerings. But then the other one is agree with your adversary quickly before things get worse. And the, and the principle of both of these, uh, 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 both of these parts of the scripture is make things right as best as you can. Make things right. If you can, make things right. Now, in this scripture, who is your brother? Your brother are the people within the church, the people that are within the, the fold of the faith. And, and the New Testament is very clear on this. Most scriptures that talk about brother and brethren are all about within the church. Now, do we need to love people outside of the church? Of course. The Bible's very clear on that as well. But this scripture specifically, Jesus says the, the, the brother. So Matthew twelve forty nine it says this. It says, uh, and he stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, here are my mothers and my brothers. Uh, Jesus, uh, I think verse 50, is that verse 50 on there too? I don't know if I put that one, but uh, Jesus said, who are my brothers and sisters? Those that follow my commandments. Those are my brothers and my sisters. And so you have to make it very clear who those are. But who's your adversary? Those are the enemies, the one that do you wrong. And we all know who our enemies are. And, and the principle is make it right. Now, some people would say, does that mean I have to be in relationship with everybody? No, obviously, no. Like some relationships just don't continue. Uh, but, but the key is, do I have any heart issues about it? Is there anything that, need, that, that I can fix? Is there something that needs to be said? Something that we can kind of work out? Sometimes you work things out um, and, and you just part your ways and you're just like, you know what, this, it's just over. It just is. It's like, I use the example of, um, you know, if I had a girlfriend in junior high and it didn't work out. There's a lot of those. And... Um, It'd be weird, like, if, if, if she, like, came to church here and sat in the front row next to my wife, right? Like, some girl I dated in college, and, and it just didn't, I mean, obviously it didn't work, because I've married Crystal, right? But she was like, yeah, this is my church, and this is where I'm going to come. Like, you know, I don't really, I don't have an issue with you, and it's just kind of moved on, but can you not go to church here? He's lots of churches, we kind of did, we, it was clear it didn't work out, but no, nope, I want to go to, you know, you see the picture? I used the example of an old girlfriend because you guys can it just seem, it would be utterly and completely weird, right? Sitting up here in the front and next to Chris, I'm like, I used to date that guy. Like, it's just weird. <laughs> it's totally weird. 
The point is, is that some relationships you part ways and it's okay. I don't sit up here when the tithe is being done and think about like old girlfriends that I need to make right. I just, it's not in there. But if there was an issue in a relationship that I haven't made a, 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 a way to make it right, then I should do everything within my power to try to make it right. You know, every Sunday we come up here and it's, and when the, the word goes forth, whoever's taken up the tithe, they say, if you hold something against your brother, and I do, I look inside of my heart and I think, I say, God, is there some relationship that needs to be mended? You know, a couple of years ago, me and Crystal were fighting before church. And, uh, and I remember we went to church just in silence because we were, it happens to us, man. And we just go to church in anger. And I remember that part came up within the service where, she, where it's like, if you hold something against your brother, off, don't offer your tithe. And Crystal squeezed my hand and looked at me and she was like, you're holding something against me. And I was like, I ain't tithing today. It'll be fine. <laughs> we only get paid once a month and I tied last week. I'm holding on to my anger. <laughs> and then we're out in the foyer afterwards making amends. It was so funny because I don't remember what happened. We were hugging and kissing and apologizing. Someone snapped a picture. And they're like, oh, my pastors, they love each other so much. I'm like, not an hour ago we didn't. <laughs> We was fighting. (laughs) Matthew Henry said this, those who have wronged us, we must forgive. And those whom we have wronged, we must make satisfaction to, or at least make a try of it and desire renewal of the friendship so that if reconciliation be not made, it may not be our fault. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, Now all these things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And it's true, we should all reconcile if we can, but not all recon, uh, relationships are reconcilable. But your heart is. You can make the attempt and have God change your heart. And be like, you know what? That relationship is broken and that relationship didn't work. I love them. I hope the best for them. I pray for them that God will do great things in their life. I'm over it. I'm not, I'm not upset about it. And I'm just moving on. And that's okay. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And so we have to do what we can do to make it right. And if they can't or they won't, it's okay. You did your part. You did your part. Now, um, some, some people would, you know, if anybody ever says to you that I, I'm an angry person or that I hold a grudge, man, that's a lie. That's just not me at all, man. I hate anger and I hate grudges and it takes much more work to hold a grudge than it does to just forgive and move on, man. And, and there's been many times in this church where there's people that we've got into whatever, whatever, and, and we make it right that day because we just, we don't want to, we don't want to have another day go by and, and I'll stay up late and I'll make a phone call or get together or do whatever it needs to do to just make it right because I just, oh, I hate it. It makes my stomach hurt. I don't like to live that way. I don't like it at all. The Bible says that we should make peace with our adversary. Now, this part of it is not agreeing to a fault as much as it's like, dude, sometimes you've done wrong and this adversary's with you and Jesus uses the picture of going to, a, going to court. But sometimes you've done people wrong and, and there's a chance where you can just make things right at the lowest level possible instead of taking it farther than it needs to be and then it just gets worse than it, than it, than it needs to be. Jesus says, you want just make peace with them at, right now before it gets out of hand. Just do what you have to do to, to make it right. You don't have to fight every fight. You know, it's okay if you get wronged. Yeah. Hebrews 12, 14 says, pursue peace with all people in holiness 
with which no one will see the Lord. Proverbs 19.11 says, the discretion of, of a man makes him slow to anger. Discretion and his, and, his, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. And again, this is the ethos of the scripture. If you have the means to make it right, make it right. Don't prolong it. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And Jesus, remember, Jesus said many other things. When he said, if someone asks for your coat, give them your tunic. If someone asks you to go one mile, go with them two miles. And if someone's angry with you, just let them win. It's fine. Just get back to being in a relationship. Be forgiving. And that it means if you have the means, make peace. Now, what does this mean to you? Is there someone that you need to reconcile with that you haven't tried? Now, not, not an abuser that you need to go back to. Sociopathic individuals cannot be reasoned with. And once you realize that, it's okay to not be in relationship with them. I'm just talking about like someone you're in relationship with that you're holding something against, or you know that they're holding something against you, and you're too prideful to admit that you're wrong. You're too prideful to admit that there's something that needs to change in your relationship. Just go and make it right, man. Swallow your pride. Go and talk to them and say like, man, I heard this sermon today, and I just want to make it right with you. Colossians 3.12 says, therefore, as the elect of God, that you holy and beloved put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. We're the elect of God. And we really should be doing what we need to do to make things right with people. Not, not holding on to this seething anger. No, no one likes it. I don't know why you continue to hold on to it. And, and I get it, man. You can't fix all of it, but you can at least not avoid people in the church that you know you have a po- problem with. Yeah. Like find a way to love them. Just be like, you know, man, I don't know why we're at odds, but can we just figure out a way that you and I can get together? It's funny, a little side note here. Um, I've never left this church. <laughs> Been here 17 years. Because I, I don't have that opportunity. Yeah. I can't not like one of you and then just be like, well, I ain't going to that church anymore. I have to learn to love you. I have to learn to be in relationship with you. I don't, I don't get the, uh, I'm not going to play ball option. That's not, that's not what I get. It's funny. Once you do that, then you actually move into relationships with people that you never would have been in relationship with before. And you're like, I kind of like that guy, man. He's good people, man. It forces you into it. Let me, let me give you a quick class on how to, uh, um, how to make things right, how to reconcile. First thing is you want to admit fault. Whenever you, when you have to reconcile with somebody, think about what you did wrong in the relationship. Don't think about what they did wrong and open up with that and say, you know what, let me just start off by saying what I should have done differently. I apologize. I did this. This was wrong. Secondly, you do not make excuses for what you did. Because when you make an excuse, you minimize what you just, because what happens is you admit the fault, like, hey, I shouldn't have done this. And like, but, but the reason why I did this is because of this. Don't make excuses. Just own it. I did this. My fault, man. I'm laying on the coals here. You just ask for forgiveness. You're like, man, would you please forgive me because I'm a broken, rotten person. I just need your forgiveness. And then you make a promise to change. You're just like, you know, I'm going to do everything that I can to change. I hope I don't fail in this area again. But if I do, please remind me. I just need your forgiveness. And then you do everything you can to make restitution if possible. Some things you can't make restitution. Some things you can. Uh, and, and so you just try to do whatever you can to be able to make restitution. And then you just quit with your horrible attitude of self-righteousness. 
You look at yourself with sober judgment. You don't walk around thinking that you're better than other people. You think you walk around thinking other people are better than you. And you just keep yourself in check. You just make yourself humble. You just say, you know what? I'm not above asking for forgiveness from somebody. I'm not above admitting that I had fault somewhere. Because here's why. James 1.20, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Being an angry person is a horrible life. And, and if you love anger, you need to just wake up, man. You don't like it. We don't like it. Move on. Like learn away. Figure out why you're angry and then deal with it. And then you don't have to be angry anymore. Ecclesiastes 7.9, last scripture. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Ah, oh, isn't that a cautious scripture? We're fools, man, if we've got angers. So don't get angry. Stay away from the hellfire. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? Hey, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, I want to invite you to become one. It's really quite easy. Either you're a Christian or you are not. Either you've given your life to Jesus or you have not. And so today I just want to, I just want to make an invitation and say, if you would like to become a Christian this morning, if you would like to give your heart to Jesus, you want to be forgiven of your sins, you want a direction change. See, becoming a Christian isn't some superstitious thing. It's not like, oh, I raised my hand and I went back and lived my life to myself. No, it's a direction change. You say, I used to live for myself. I used to love my sin, but now I want to live for Jesus. I want to live for him. If you've never made that decision before and you want to do that for the very first time, we'd like to pray with you. Just raise your hand this morning and say, that's me. I want to live for Jesus. I want to be saved. Is there anybody that needs to make that decision this morning for the first time? Hand held high. Maybe you've been far from God. You, you, you were saved long ago, but you've been far from Jesus. You've been waiting for that moment, that day where you can come back to him and say, Lord, I've been waiting for this moment. I, I just, I need to come back to you. I need to live for you. Today can be the day that you have that direction change. If you need to rededicate your life to Jesus today, would you raise your hand so that we could pray for you as well? Is there anybody that needs to make that decision? Hallelujah. I don't want everybody's hand to go up, but there's a part of your heart that has anger in it. Today's your day to confess that sin to Jesus. Say, Lord, man, this sermon was for me. I need to to not be angry. I need help with it, Lord. I don't want to go to hell for anger. Lord, help me to not be an angry person. Help me to be a person filled with joy, happiness. Father, we thank you for this word, Lord. We thank you for your grace and mercy that comes into our lives. God, we pray that we can walk out this sermon today, Lord. Father, take that that angry bitterness out of our hearts. God, help us to watch our mouths and what we say and help us to reconcile with those people we need to reconcile with, God. Give you all the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.